is to kind of do a little bit of a summary of everything else. As we've mentioned multiple times, there is so much in this book of Proverbs. We can't get to every single verse or every single theme, but my hope is to cover at least as much as we possibly can. So the goal is to kind of cover uh, the last major bits that maybe we haven't had the chance to get to. And then what I was hoping we do at the very end, so I'm going to leave a little bit more time there, is I'd love just to hear what all of you enjoyed about uh, this class. You know, what were some of the themes, the thoughts that, you know, either you had not thought about before until, you know, you read Proverbs or maybe you've known about, but it was through the last five or so weeks that you've really, uh, you know, maybe appreciated it in a different light. Uh, I think we learn better the more we're able to really dialogue and engage together. So I'd love to be able to do that at the end. So just want to mention that now. I'd encourage you to begin thinking about that. If you haven't, hey, was there one or two things that you did enjoy or get out of our, our time together? And we might even spend a little bit of time in smaller groups so everyone has the chance to share as well. So just keep that in mind. Uh, but because this is the last class, I was hoping to do a little bit more of a summary, a recap of what we've, we've covered. So you might have remembered from the first class that we read this quote from Ray Ortland: Even if we do seek the holiness of the law, and we do, even if we're inspired by the visions of the prophets, and we are, we can still make a mess of our lives, our families, our churches, our workplaces, our communities, if we are unwise. All right, and that's what the major theme that you see in Proverbs, and this is the nature of wisdom. It's the idea of the art or the skill of living well. That it's one thing to know the truths of Scripture, as every single believer is called to do. It's another thing to know how to apply the truths of Scripture, as multifaceted as they are, in every different situation and scenario that we're in. And that goes everything from the, the smallest interaction or the multiple interactions you have with people on a Sunday morning, all the way to making the big picture decisions that we make in the Christian life. That's where wisdom lives. And the theme in Proverbs is that if you're living according to the wisdom of God, even as we saw in Proverbs 3 and other places, you will be blessed. And that's the idea of being truly happy or truly fortunate. You can think about the state of being blessed as living the best life possible. If you're living according to God's wisdom, your life will go well. But as we studied in the first session, it's important to understand how to interpret or read these wisdom uh, passages, because as we heard, right, there's a couple clarifications. These are principles, not promises, right? So we heard and saw that when you're reading a proverb, it doesn't mean that if you follow it to the T, it will automatically 100% always happen. Um, but this is more the idea of probabilities, that generally, if you're living according to these truths, life will tend to go in a certain direction. But as we saw, um, there are other wisdom books in the Old Testament. You have Ecclesiastes, you have Job, other aspects of wisdom that we have to consider. As we're moving into the second class, we went over some uh, steps of how do we actually seek after wisdom. Right, this was the lesson of chapters 1 through 9 of Proverbs. And we saw there that it needs to start with a heart that fears the Lord. Right? Wisdom begins with a believer who has the right heart posture and relationship with God, that you're seeking after his voice more than anything else in life. It requires the attentive listening to God's word, right? where you're actively saying, I need to hear and then respond to whatever it is that God is saying. And then we also need to humbly seek outside counsel. In other words, all of our perspectives can be blinded, and so we have to hear exhortation from other people. And then over the, the last four or so weeks, we started covering the wisdom proper. 
from chapter 10 to chapter 31, you're hearing all of those different Proverbs uh, that are talking about how to live the Christian life well. And we, we covered a number of the big topics that you often hear. The importance or the danger of our words. That by what we say, how we see it, the wisdom or folly that we have in how we communicate, that can bring either life or death to our relationships. Uh, so we spent a whole other week covering what the Proverbs say about the nature of work and wealth. That as believers, we're called to work diligently and heartily as to the Lord. Right? We can't be lazy. We can't be those that are just seeking to not do anything. But then when we do have wealth or resources, we have to be wise in how we steward and use them, not just blowing it on things that will end up impoverishing us, but using it and stewarding it in a way that glorifies God. We then covered a, a whole session about the nature of relationships. Um, you know, what is it that God's word in Proverbs says about how we should be thinking about the relationships we have um, here on earth? Right? And we talked about that as often as we think and prioritize other things that aren't as important, what we really should be focusing on first is our relationship with God, our relationship with our spouse if we're married, our relationship with our kids if we're parents, our relationship with the church community, which is all of us here. And those are the relationships that are essential for believers' life. And then once you've made sure that you've made priority for that in your life, you can figure out what to do with the rest of your time. And so we have to make sure our priorities are correct. And I know there was a lot there. Uh, today, we're going to be covering, I think, three or four different topics. So there's, there's a lot here. There's only so much space that we have. Um, but... As I've said many times, this class is really just an intro to Proverbs, and so I want to give you this kind of in brief, and I hope that it would encourage you to study the book more as we go from here. Okay, so the first major section is something we talked about a little bit last week, which is the nature or the focus on the heart, which is something you see in Proverbs. Uh, can someone find this passage for us? It's all one thing, so someone will just find Proverbs 4. Can someone read it? Okay. Cindy, and then while we're, uh, while we're getting there, if someone can find Proverbs uh, 19.2, this is going to be going to the next section. Okay, and someone find Proverbs 29.25. Great. All right, so Cindy, if you can please read first just 4.23, and then later on. Yeah. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Mm -hmm. So what you see in Proverbs, as we mentioned, is this great emphasis on the nature of a person's heart. And as we've explained last week, as you see in the pages of scripture, the heart is the idea of the real you or the internal you. You can think about our hearts being the, the worldview of how we're really seeing life, how we actually view God, how we really view ourselves, how we uh, perceive the world, what really matters, what's valuable, what's not valuable. Right? When you think about the term theology, you can think about that as our worldview how we are actually interpreting life and whether or not our worldview is stemming from what scripture says or from what the world says. So we're all living out our worldview of how we theologize the world around us. Um, but our heart are, is also made up of, of what we love and desire and worship in life. So you can think about it as what you most desire and need and think, hey, I need these things in order to live a happy, fulfilled life. I, I need to love or have something. And as we know, we're called to love and desire and worship God above all else. 
But the reality of us having sinful hearts, being sinners, is that so oftentimes our greatest affections is on something else. But here, what you see in Proverbs 4, as we briefly mentioned last week, is we need to be careful to understand and guard our hearts. Know what's going on internally. Know who we truly are, how we truly see life, what we truly desire and love, because from our heart will flow the springs of life. In other words, everything else that you do is going to be an outflow of your heart. And so the, the, the big call in Proverbs here is that we have to be careful to guard our hearts, watch what influences who we are, and we see that in several ways. So if you can read the rest of the section. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious lips far from you. Let your eyes look directly ahead and let, and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Right. So how is it that after you hear the warning of keep your heart with all vigilance, what is it that you're supposed to do? It's all of these different exhortations. Right? In other words, be mindful of what you are saying and what you hear. Be mindful of what you see. Be mindful of where you go and what you do. Right? In other words, our, our behavior, the pattern of our life, how we live will influence our heart. So, so you see almost this, you know, continuous or, or vicious cycle. It's what's internal will eventually come out in the way that we live and respond to people. But at the same time, how is it that God actually shapes our heart? It's through how we actually live and where we go and what we focus on. And that's why, as you've heard from the rest of our study, it's important that we're fueling our minds with the word of God. It's important that we're spending time with God's people, listening and seeing and hearing the right kinds of things because we're influenced by the people and by the words around us. And so the big picture about the heart here is we have to be mindful, how is our heart being influenced and shaped? From how we're living, from the decisions we make, from the people we spend the most time around, how are we being shaped? And is it in a God-word direction or is it in a worldly direction? Because, you know, I think so often if you think about whether it's uh, TV shows or, or movies or, or the, the things that we often watch in our free time, there are so many different messages out there, right? There, there's all types of worldviews about what is right, what is wrong. And if we're not careful, um, all of those uh, messages are going to seep into our hearts without even realizing it. I think about in high school, I might have mentioned this in this class or others, but I used to be a very emo kid, if you guys know, remember that phrase, you know, very kind of, you know, dark, somber, gloomy. I, I still kind of am, you know, in my nature, but especially at that time, it was, oh, life is, life is horrible, life is so hard. And uh, I remember years back, I looked back at some of the, the music I was listening to, and I realized, like, huh. You know, it kind of matches the, the theme of, of my life. I remember one of my favorite songs uh, was by this emo band, and the, the song was called Watch Me Bleed, right? And again, it's, it's a very dark message of, oh, everything is so hard and horrible and hurting. And I thought about them like, oh, that's interesting, right? In, in other words, right, I'm not saying, hey, you know, don't listen to secular music or whatnot, but, but think about and be mindful of the messages that you're hearing. Right? Because it will influence who you are and how you think and how you interact with the world. The, the messages that we hear do matter. And so be mindful of our heart, of where it's going, because what we do is a reflection of our hearts, 
but then also being mindful of the, the exhortation here of the influences that you have in what you're doing and prioritizing because that will actually affect you in the long term. So that's, that's a general message. Next, we have uh, our emotions. Proverbs says a lot about various desires and emotions and feelings that a people have. And at some point this year, we're going to do an entire class on the nature of emotions and what scripture says, because I think emotions are often misunderstood in the Christian church. People either ignore it completely, saying, just read what the Bible says, right? Um, and not recognizing that our emotions are valuable to show what's going on internally. Or we make the entire life about our emotions. I need to feel a certain way uh, for my life to be okay. But Proverbs does say a lot about the nature of our emotions and our desires. And so uh, if we can read Proverbs 19.2, whoever had that. Also, it is not good for a person to be without knowledge, and he who hurries his footsteps errs. Yeah. So that word for the person is, is the word for the soul, or, or sometimes I think in this passage translated our desires or our affections, right? So one translation, the ESV says, desire without knowledge is not good, and whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. Right? And I think that translation captures the, the Hebrew well. It's the idea of desire without knowledge. The, the things that we want, what we're pursuing without proper biblical framework. If we're just in our natural human sinful state, wanting, thinking, desiring for the things that we naturally will, it will lead to destruction. But what God's wisdom does, what the scriptures do is as we properly understand his voice, what is important, how he tells us to live, that will actually frame our life so we will make the decisions the right type of way. You know, James uh, 4 uh, verse 1 says this, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? In other words, we all want things. We all desire things. But when we have the desires in the wrong order or we're not controlling them according to the word of God, that's then where sin will come in. And, and all of the emotions we feel or a lot of the emotions we feel are typically a response in one way or another to the, the emotions or to the desires that we have, what we love and what we want in life. And so if you see in your notes, uh, there's several different emotions or desire states that we're going to see. It's fear, anger, jealousy, pride, and joy, or, or happiness. Um, all of this is referenced there. So uh, if we can read the, the next one, Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Yeah, notice that we're the fear of man. So much of our life is based around uh, running away from or identifying the fears that we have. You can think about fear as the emotional distress we experience when something important is being threatened. Right? So in the case of the fear of man, it's often the idea that what I most need or want is this person's respect and affirmation. Right? That's why I care so much about what they think of me. And so the, the big danger here is that the fear of man will lay a snare. If we're living our life, you know, wanting other people to always like us, that can cause us to run into all kinds of issues or prioritize the wrong types of things. Think about promotions, uh, income level, the, the, how nice your house is, all those different things we can often do. If, if we're having the fear of man controlling our life, we're not going to live the way that we need to. But what does the proverb say? It says, whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. 
In other words, you're contrasting, are you living by the fear of man or the fear of God? You know, whose opinion ultimately does matter to you? Um, because it, whatever you are most wanting, right, if, if someone's voice is so important to you, that's why then you're going to fear. You know, why is it that it's so terrible if, if you're going to lose your job, right? So, some of you love your jobs. Others, you're like, I don't really care about it, right? It, it's just a way of making money or it's a way of taking my family. Oftentimes, that's why a person will fear the lack of a job, be, uh, the lack of lose, if you lose one. Because if you had a billion dollars in the bank, for instance, you know, maybe you won't really care if you get, did get fired or not, right? Because you know, hey, I have that nest egg. I'm totally good. Um, we're going to be fine. But you fear in that moment because you know that something you want or need is being threatened. And so that's, that's what Proverbs says. Be mindful of what we are fearing. Is it the fear of a person or is it the fear of God? Because that's what needs to control and dominate our life. The other category that we see is anger. Uh, did I ask someone to read Proverbs 19.11? Okay, so let's find some of these. So can someone find that, 19.11? Okay, Tony. Uh, and then, Pat, if you can find Proverbs 23.17 and 18, and then someone do 29.23. Someone willing to read that verse? Okay. And then last one will be 17.22. Okay, so let's do the first one, 1911. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Hmm. Uh, what causes a person to feel angry? Well, you can think about anger as an emotional response to a perceived wrong. Right? We feel angry when someone does something to us or someone we love or care about that we think is not justified. You know, that a person got something that they did not deserve. They were harmed. They were defrauded. They were hurt. They were insulted. That caused us to be angry because we are saying, hey, this person doesn't deserve it. Now, the, the wisdom that we're seeing in Proverbs, it says that good sense makes one slow to anger. Uh, in other words, if you don't have wisdom, you're going to get angry at a lot of things that you shouldn't get angry at. Right? In other words, because you're prioritizing things that don't really actually matter that much. And it could be your own personal reputation. It could be whatever it is. But think about a person that gets angry a lot. It's because in their mind, in their heart, they're valuing things that don't actually really matter that much. But what does wisdom do? It says good sense makes one slow to anger. And it is his glory to overlook an offense. In other words, when you understand what really matters, right? when you have the wisdom of God revealed in Proverbs and all the scriptures, you realize that a lot of things aren't actually that legitimate. Many things in life are actually very trivial. And so therefore, you're not going to get angry at every single thing because you say, you know what? So what? I got cut off on, on the freeway. You know, it, does that really, is that really going to change the course of my life? Like, no. Uh, and then you realize it's not that big of a deal. And so, you know, when we view life in light of who God is, that helps us to see what is truly a legitimate injustice and what is an illegitimate injustice. We understand if we should truly be getting angry, right, something that truly is an offense to God, or is it just because we're being prideful or selfish or we're wanting something that really doesn't matter, we need God's wisdom to know how to relate to our anger. Uh, another one, jealousy. We have Proverbs 23, 17. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but live in the fear of the Lord always. Surely there is a future, and your hope will not be cut off. 
Yeah, so envy is what? It is an emotion or reaction to wanting something that you don't have. Oftentimes, something that you shouldn't have. Right? That's why you hear the uh, commands or the warnings about you know, coveting a neighbor's wife or a servant or a horse. You know, all, all of those things is because it belongs to someone else, but you're wanting it for yourself. And like you know, the fear of man, here we understand that uh, our envy or our jealousy is very much related to how much we're prioritizing God or not. Because notice how it says, right? Let not your heart envy sinners. In other words, don't envy, which is so often our natural heart bent. And you can think about the million things that we want that God would not say we must have or should have. But rather what? But continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. So again, in other words, if you properly fear God, right, as we saw, it was the beginning of wisdom in Proverbs 1.7. If you have the right relationship with him, he is your greatest pursuit and desire and goal in life, then you're not going to envy other people's things. Why? Because again, you have the right priorities in your life. You understand what matters versus what doesn't. And so I don't know what is it that you're potentially desire, desiring or envying this morning. Maybe it's that you really, really want your uh, football team to win the Super Bowl. Or I don't know, whatever it may be, right? There's things in our hearts that we say, I want that. And it becomes uh, an idol in our hearts. One of the antidotes, among many other things, is to make sure we're keeping our focus on Christ. We're, we're focusing on him, and then envy will take care of itself. Uh, next one, pride. One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. Yeah, so this is very easy. I mean, the Bible says so much about pride. If you are prideful, it will more than likely not destroy your life. It will bring you down. But one who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. Right? So just as we see from Christ, we're not called to exalt ourselves, but to have that posture of humility. Blessed are those who are meek. You know, blessed are those who mourn. That's the kind of heart posture that every single person should have. Um, the longer we live in life, we can so often elevate ourselves more and more. But what we're called to do is to actually lower ourselves more and more. And if you heard this morning's message, that should be fairly easy. Right? If you're taking notes and you're really meditating on the truth, because what? We don't deserve anything. There's nothing we did that can earn our salvation. It is only the work of God. And so we should never exalt ourselves because we know that we have nothing in, in who we are. Okay, the last one, joy. Uh, Proverbs 17, 22. Uh, did I ask someone to find that passage? Maybe no, not. Okay, yeah. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Hmm. A joyful or a happy heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Uh, one of the elements that we can't really dive into is that, you know, Proverbs and really the scriptures talk a lot about how the emotions that we feel affect our bodies significantly. And so if you're in a state of exuberance, you know, if you're joyful, if you're happy, right, emotionally, it's saying it's like a good medicine and it causes your body to, to do better in life, you know. But it says a crushed spirit, one who's downcast, one who's hurt and sad, it says it dries up the bones. So you can think about the emotions that we have that do have a real impact on our life. And so we have to be careful, again, about the nature and state of our emotions because they do matter. 
Right, but you know, this is a whole other class which we'll have eventually. The focus of scripture is not that we try to target and change our emotions themselves, right? We should be aware of what they are, just as we're seeing here in Proverbs. But the focus on scripture is that we seek to change who we are, right? We, we seek to allow God's word to shape our hearts, which will then change our emotions and our response. So here it, it's just giving a truism. A joyful heart is like good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. You know, how we feel will actually shape our life and our bodies. And so those are just some uh, quick things to think about. Like I've said before, we have to go through this very fast, but... Uh, hopefully that was helpful. Okay. Alex, can yes. You differentiate joy, joy versus happiness. Yes, I can. So, uh, in the New Testament, well, so so I would say this. Generally, when you're looking at the words themselves, it's actually the same thing, All right? So, depending on the Hebrew or the Greek, it's just the idea of a happy or a fortunate state. I think where we get the differentiation, which you often hear in church about joy being different than happiness is, you know, the New Testament especially shows us we have reason to be joyful or truly happy in any single circumstance because our happiness or our joy is rooted in Christ and what he has done. Um, so I would say this is where, especially as you're reading the wisdom literature, we have to be very nuanced and careful in how we read these passages because, you know, uh, when you're reading the root word, it just is the idea of you should be glad. You know, you, you are in a great state of life. Now, that's where often prosperity teachers twist things to say, hey, when you read the New Testament, you know, if you're following God, your life will be blessed. It will be good. And what I mean by that is you will get all the money in the world that you want, right? So people will take that out of context. So I think as Christians, we want to be careful where we're saying, uh, in Christ, the reason we can have joy or true happiness, right? Our, our happiness is lasting in all circumstances because it's rooted in Christ. But the, the base understanding of happiness and joy is actually uh, pretty similar. Yeah, so there's a lot more that, that can be said there. Uh, okay, here's the last thing. And I, I wanted to end here uh, specifically because I, I want us to end our time focusing on God. But um, Proverbs says quite a bit, about the nature of time as well. You know, if you think about an older man speaking to a younger man, which is how this book is often cast, right? It's Solomon writing to a younger person. Uh, it references a lot how we should be thinking about the passing of time. You know, Ecclesiastes is, is another book that does that, but you see a couple uh, ones here in the book of Proverbs as well. So let's have someone find these next three verses. The first one's Proverbs 27.1. Okay, Mitch. And then uh, if you can find, Courtney, the Proverbs 20, 29. And then if someone can find Proverbs 16, there's two passages that will come from that. Okay, great. So these first two are about the nature of time. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Hmm. In other words, we're never guaranteed tomorrow. You know, so often, right, how, oft, how do people live? They're thinking about the next vacation they want to go to, uh, the next promotion that they want, you know, where they're hoping their kids will go to school or the types of achievements that they have. And it's not that those are things that we should never think about, right? Because as we read on the, the week about wealth, we do need to be thinking about the future and being careful. But what God is warning us here is that we have to be very careful of how we think about the future. 
that we don't get consumed with it, thinking it's guaranteed, it's for sure, and I know what the next 20 years is going to look like. In other, but instead, do not boast about tomorrow, for you don't know what a day may bring. We need to be sober-minded to understand that as much as we should be thinking and planning for the future, that's not what we can hold on to as being guaranteed. Uh, we can't put our trust or our worship in uh, some type of future that we think we're going to have for ourselves. Like, I, I know this is a little bit dated now, but uh, the day that I tore my Achilles, I was not thinking that morning, you know what, I am going to be uh, immobile for the next five months of my life, yeah. right? <laughs> I was very much thinking about all of these things I was going to do. I was just getting to the sport and thinking how much I'm going to start practicing and <laughs> try to beat Dave Muscatello, you know, who I think was, I was playing against. You know, that's where my mindset was, and in the blink of an eye, everything is completely different. And that's the reality about every single one of our lives. You know, we plan for the future uh, wisely, uh, according to God's word, but we don't know what tomorrow will bring. And so be sober how we think about that. A funny thing is, years ago, a lot of people used to say, see you tomorrow, Lord willing. They used to add Lord willing to when mm. they say, I'll see you on Sunday, Lord willing. Yeah. It's kind of an interesting, get your mind back in the right perspective. Yes, yes. Yeah, right. To understand, hey, I'm going to do my best. If God wills. If God wills, Yeah. <laughs> Well, and quick funny story about that. I once had a, a staff member that took that too far, where anytime would say, hey, we have this meeting oh. Sunday, can you be there? Oh, if God wills. <laughs> like, okay, I understand, but are you going to try? If the Lord wants it. <laughs> so, so you want to be mindful of that as well, yes. But it is true. Yes, in perspective, as we said, everything imbalanced, right? Everything needs to be balanced. So that, that's one uh, warning about time, right? Be sober-minded and understand the, the proper nature of how we think about the future. Uh, another one on a totally different subject, Proverbs 20, 29. The glory of young men is their strength, but the splendor of old men is their gray hair. Mm. In other words, depending on your season of life, there are unique strengths and weaknesses that come with the passing of time. All right, so what is the strength or what is the positive trait for those who are younger? It is uh, strength, right? It is physical vigor, being able to do more, uh, being able to stay up later, right? To, to be more focused physically or mentally on things. Um, you can do much more when you're younger, but then what happens as you get older? It says the splendor of old age is in their gray hair. In other words, the hope, right, as, you're, as you are growing older, hopefully, right, we're growing in wisdom. And so then the, the passing or the changing of even some of those physical features should be a sign of, uh, of a growth and knowledge applied to God's word. Now, as, as some of you are laughing, you're saying, well, maybe I should uh, gain a little more wisdom. That's always true. We can always grow more. But that's one of the big differences that you often can see is that, you know, when you're younger, you tend to be stronger. You can do more. But you don't have as much wisdom as you do when you're a little bit older. Tony? What if you're not young and you don't have hair? <laughs> well, Ed tough luck, man. Yeah. <laughs> you, I mean, you have, you have some hair, right? <laughs> Hold on to that. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, uh, you're internally gray. Maybe that's, that's how it is, right? There's gray hair inside. Yeah. Whatever it is, yeah, you get the idea. But some of you probably have heard that phrase that uh, youth is wasted on the young. Have you guys heard that phrase or something like it? Because yeah. right? oftentimes it's the thought of, you know, it's not until you're older that you realize, man, I could have done so much right, in pursuing the Lord and serving his kingdom and doing all of this. I just didn't have the right perspective in my life until I got older. 
and now it's, it's not too late to serve the Lord, but all of that potential hasn't been used or is now wasted. Uh, and I think it, it's a helpful thing to think uh, about, right? If we're younger, how are we using that time and that strength and that vigor and energy that we have uh, versus then as you're getting older, understanding, yes, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be doing anything, but the amount of time is always passing by and getting shorter, shorter, and smaller, and smaller. And so are we making the most of the time, the resources, and the energy that we do have? Because that will eventually pass away. Uh, okay, last thing, because I want to make sure we have time for discussion. Uh, Proverbs says a lot about the nature and the character of God. All right, so this is just two brief uh, summary statements, but if you were reading through the book during this whole six-week class, there's a lot that you probably saw there as you were reading through it. Um, so uh, who had Proverbs 16? Was that Pat? Okay, so read 13 first, and we'll go back to three later. Okay, 13 or 33? Uh, 33 first. Yeah. The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. Hmm. All right, so this is just a very simple statement about the sovereignty of God. Right? There are many things that we can do that you can hope to, to figure out about the nature of the future, and it's not that we cast lots in today's world, but it's the understanding that God is the one who ultimately controls and predicts and decides the future. And so as we're going through life, right, as you're thinking about wanting to live wisely, right, making the kinds of decisions that will lead to better outcomes, that will lead to blessedness, as God describes here in Proverbs, Understand that still God is the one who is sovereign over all things. And, and this is a whole you know, balance that we have to do. I think we've talked about this before. How do you reconcile and understand you know, the, the sovereignty of God in salvation and yet the fact that we are still held accountable for what we do and we still have to choose to repent and turn to Christ. And we understand God is ultimately sovereign and yet in human reality, right, we are making decisions, we are making choices. And so in Proverbs, you know, we still need to do what we can in our best effort to live wisely, but understand at the end of the day, God is the one who is sovereign over all. And that's why I love, and this is a great proverb to end on, Proverbs 16.3. Commit your works to the Lord, and your plans will be established. Yeah, we've heard this theme several times in the earlier part of our study. Commit your work to Yahweh, and all your plans will be established. Right. What should be the greatest pursuit in all things? As we said before, it's to do it for God. Right? We are living for him. We're called to love him. We're called to serve him. Everything in our priorities and how we make decisions should be for him and for his glory. And if we are doing that, it says your plans will be established. And that doesn't always mean that it's going to go the way that we want. And it doesn't always mean, right, if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, it doesn't always mean that you're going to have the most money or the most health or all of those things, but your plans will be established. The, the path of your life will be on a solid foundation because it's rooted in what God wants for us to do. And so if you think about how we define success in life, how we define what is most important, did we really live life the way that would honor God? That is a great question we can be asking ourselves. Were we truly committing all of our ways to Yahweh? We're doing it for him and for his glory. And so in summary, right, I think what Proverbs is urging us or exhorting us to do is to live in wisdom. 
do the best we can to become wise individuals, where we understand the truths of God, what really matters so we can make the right types of decisions. Because as we read from that first quote, we can have all the right theology in the world and still make decisions that are destructive if we don't know how to apply it in every single situation and scenario. So that's the goal. That's why it's written from an older man's perspective to a younger man's perspective. Grow in wisdom now. Develop the heart posture that will allow you to apply wisdom to your life. Do it while you're young because eventually that strength is going to be gone. And you will be an older man uh, now with regret uh, for past mistakes that you've made. So do what you can to grow in the wisdom and the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. But, and I think we have it uh, on your sheet as a conclusion, remember this. Though we pursue wisdom, remember that any wisdom we gain is from the Lord. Right? And I love this 1 Corinthians passage because it says this, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so no human being might boast in the presence of God. So we have to, again, we have this weird tension. Pursue wisdom as much as you can. Be as wise as you can. Live according to the principles of Proverbs as much as you can. But at the end of the day, who gets all the glory? It's God. Because any wisdom we have now gained in this lifetime is actually the Lord's. And ultimately, we are in ourselves nothing but fools. And so even if we do grow in wisdom, we never have a reason to say, look at what I have now achieved. Look at what I now know. Even if you are wise, all we can say is praise be to God. Right? Glory be to God. He alone is the one who has wisdom. And so I hope that this um, class has been encouraging for all of us. I mean, there's many topics we've covered over these last six weeks. I know talking even with some of you, there's a, a number of different ways that you want to live this out or apply this. But um, like I said, this is just a taste. Right? This is just one six-week step to know a little bit more about what God's Word has to say. Uh, now we have the rest of our lifetime, however long or short that may be, um, to pursue it for God's glory. So we're going to have some uh, time for questions in just a little bit. But um, as I mentioned, I do want to give us the chance to be able to debrief and, and discuss this together. So what we're going to do, we're going to take uh, five or seven minutes or so and just circle up with people around you. I know some of you hate this, but that's okay. Uh, people around you, four or five people, and just discuss together. You know, what did you uh, learn from our time in the book of Proverbs? Uh, what did you gain? What was challenging? What was interesting? Um, how are you... How are you walking away from these six weeks now better understanding and wanting to apply the word and wisdom of God? Okay, so we'll do that for five or seven minutes. Um, feel free just to circle with people around you and uh, talk together. And then I'd love to hear from the class as a whole. Yeah, yeah. Start back at one on the first of the month and go through again and go back again. 
it's a wonderful habit just to instill into your heart all the truths that are in Proverbs. Yeah, yeah, that could be a great practice. I know a, a number of people for generations have done that. And if you've never done it, uh, you can highly consider doing that. I mean, so. just a little hint. Yeah. But I've loved the past six weeks. Okay, well, that, that's great, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, we'd love to hear uh, if you guys got anything out of the last six weeks. Sorry. Nice. Yes, that is great. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Uh, oh, sure. Um, I just appreciate the, just the encouragement to be balanced. I think it's easy, at least in our age, we're like got kids and we're busy and doing all these things, so it's easy to swing. Um, just in everything, right? Like the money that we're making or the children, and like it's just easy to kind of like really needle down into that because you have enough energy to do a lot. And so I just appreciated. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, encouragement you hear a lot as you're reading from Proverbs to Ecclesiastes, where it's easy to read a proverb and say, this is how I'm going to live my life. And then you read a part of Ecclesiastes that almost says the opposite. You think, well, but then do I, do I do this now? And, uh, and actually, Tony Exler will teach a class on Ecclesiastes in like the summer or something. I, I can't remember exactly when it is. Yeah, so would uh, highly encourage you to consider that. But yeah, that's a great lesson. Or feel free to volunteer someone else from your group, too, if they had something really good to say. <laughs> Hmm. Yeah, yeah, we saw God doesn't only care about what you say, but how and when, and that's where wisdom is too. So, that's great. Uh, I was, I was looking back at my notes from the second week on kind of wisdom versus folly, uh, and so understanding the difference between those and what folly actually is was really helpful. Hmm. And we talked about kind of the three different types of people: like there's the, the simple person, then the fool, and then hmm. scoffer. I never knew the difference between those. Mm-hmm. But also, I never, I mean, I wouldn't think, I wouldn't call myself any of those kinds of people. But I sure do a lot of foolish things. Mm-hmm. So knowing the difference between, like, am I that type of person versus do I just do those types of things? Mm-hmm. And just being reminded that my actions still carry consequences. Mm-hmm. Even if I repent of them, and God does not hold those sins against me in a Kind of worldly sense, there are still consequences that go along. Mm. So there's kind of a an intuitive aspect of wisdom as well mm. um, that your actions have consequences. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great thought. You know, uh, I see over and over again in Proverbs that everything is grounded in whether you have a relationship with God or not. Right. If you're going to have wisdom, it's required that you have a relationship with the source of wisdom. Mm. And then, even then, it requires you applying what mm. the source of wisdom gives you. Otherwise, you, you never get to the point of wisdom. You have mm. knowledge, mm. Yeah. but you've never skillfully used the knowledge. Mm. But there's so much in there about the fear of the Lord. 
Uh, I remember studying that years ago, and I was amazed at how many times that's mentioned in both the Old and the New Testament mm. about the necessity of the fear of God as the beginning. You know, the, the beginning of having wisdom depends on the mindset you have toward God, mm. the fear, the reverence, and the apprehension. Yeah, It's both. It's reverence and apprehension. I don't want to live contrary to his will. Mm. So everything seems to be grounded in whether or not you have a relationship what you are learning from that relationship, what indeed is wisdom. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And that's why, you know, the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord, right? Proverbs 1.7, if you're already missing that point, the very beginning of the book, you're not going to be able to understand or apply the rest of it. You know, it all starts with how you are doing with God. I think it makes so. you teachable. Fear mm -hmm. of the Lord makes you teachable. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, you can go first, Marty. We'll, we'll go this way. You know. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would just recommend, along with reading the scriptures, there is a very, very good book on Proverbs, and it's by a guy named John Kitchen. It's a huge volume. He spent must have spent decades putting the book together. And the way that it's laid out, you could do one proverb, not a whole chapter, a day. And it might take you several years to get through it, but it's a worthy, worthy venture. It's an outstanding book. I can't recommend it enough. Mm. Okay. No, it's great. Yeah, it's a, is it a technical commentary? It's a very technical commentary, yeah. but very approachable. Mm. If you're not thinking of teaching the book of Proverbs, it's got about a 50-page introduction. You can just skip over that and get right into it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but if you want to read the introduction, yeah. you certainly can. But it is, I, I just can't tell you. Yeah. I, I can tell you how good it is. I'm, I, I didn't write it. I didn't have anything to do with it. I'm a recipient of uh -huh. incredible blessings. Yeah. That it was to go through that book. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Thank you for the suggestion. Yeah, Ed. Yeah. Glad you went first. That's awesome. Um, what Jerry was saying, I, I find that all those things that are listed there on that piece of paper, the anger, the jealousy, the fear, um, I was in the epitome of all that. And uh, so I was brought up totally opposite. But what I want to say about what Jerry was saying is that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, trumps all that. However, um, for some of you who have children or are in it, raising your, your, your child or your young children, I will share this with you. Um, look for how God is teaching them and what he might use to teach them in certain areas that you know that they need to grow in. Um, I dealt with conflict. I was taught to deal with conflict a certain way. I had anger in my life. The Lord used ice hockey, believe it or not used ice hockey to teach me to control my anger. My first couple of games of ice hockey, one of them I was in the penalty box for fighting. I left the penalty box because another fight broke out and I thought, man, I'm leaving this penalty box because I want to get into it. I went from that to five years later to being a peacemaker on the ice. I did not fight no more. 
the Lord showed me you cannot deal with conflict the way you were taught. You have to deal with it this way. Be a peacemaker. I knew what the Bible said. Blessed are the peacemakers. That's what I became. But I learned it on the ice in real life lessons. Yeah, well, and thank you for sharing that, Ed. It's, yeah. over in the rest of my life. Yeah, and, and as we saw, I think, you know, one or two weeks ago, you know, we're all called to, you know, train children in the knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and that can take a number of different means. Of course, everything needs to be rooted in Scripture. The, you know, you think about Jesus, he's in the parables, and literally as they're going through life, relating what he sees around him to the truths of Scripture, uh, the things that happen in life can also be reasons and, and lessons that we share with other people as well. So, thank you. Yes, amen, yeah. What about from this this side of the room? <laughs> I, I know I was kind of going this way, so you might have thought, whew, like we're good. But, um. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I, I found myself, uh, as I went through the Proverbs, just asking myself, am I searching for wisdom and understanding and insights like hidden treasure? And I mm. think back to um, Ruth Ann's uh, mom used to always have this Easter egg hunt. And uh, she always had this golden egg, uh, and it was always hidden really well. And everybody, adults, kids, everything, we're always just looking to find that golden egg. Am I searching the scriptures and asking God for that wisdom and understanding, just like searching for mm. a hidden treasure? Yeah, and yeah. I found myself doing that more. Yeah, and that's a great posture to have. Yeah, think about if right now I said, there is a billion dollars hidden somewhere on this church campus. I'm pretty sure most of us would, I would leave right now and say, okay, let's try to find it, right? Yeah, because if there's something you know that, that you know has high value, you want to chase after it. And, and that's a, a wonderful way of thinking about it. X doesn't always mark the spot. It's mm -hmm. a principle yeah. guaranteed. Yeah, yeah but the, the value of how do you see God's wisdom and do you value it in that way, that's great, so. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great to hear. Yeah. Any other thoughts? All right. Well, thank you guys so much for sharing all of that. I know there's other things that you guys talked about in the groups, but um, I think we'll we'll go ahead and end it there. Um, it's been really fun to you know uh, learn with all of you, discuss together with all of you over these last six weeks. Hard to imagine that it's already been over that quickly, but here we are in the, the middle of February and. I hope we can all take these lessons and continue to learn from what God has to say in the coming months and years. So as we always do, uh, I'd love to encourage all of us to consider joining another Equip class. You know, you've probably heard this a million times, but we run them on six-week blocks. And so just as these four classes are finishing up right now, uh, starting next Sunday, it's going to be a whole different set of classes. And so I just want to mention that a little bit. So... Uh, maybe I'll do it by the time order. So the 9 o'clock service, we have two classes. Uh, one of them is going to be Thinking Through Our Faith. Uh, this is taught by one of our elders, Bruce Scheidhauer. 
It's kind of an overview of basic theology and ways that we should be thinking about the nature of, of what the Christian life is. Uh, it goes over many different truths about our uh, sin, our forgiveness, justification, how we should live all of that out. It's a, a very, um, it's a very deep class, but also meant to be practical as well. And so if you're saying, hey, there's a lot of theological truths that I know I can learn and I'm not as well versed in, this is a great class to consider. Uh, that's going to be during the first hour at 9 a.m. in room 100, so the room over there. At the same time, uh, Jim Davis is teaching a class called The Art of Suffering. So it's one that we've offered before, but this is about the spiritual discipline of how we should understand trials in life. You know, if you think about the ways that God shapes us, he uses his word, number one. You know, he uses uh, his people. Uh, he uses uh, suffering as one of those ways. He uses the trials in our lives to refine us. And so this is a class about how we should think about the trials we go through and how to grieve and lament in a way that will actually bring us closer to Christ. So that's going to be 9 o'clock here in this room. Uh, you can consider that. And then two other ones. Uh, one of them is going to be the writings part two. So Mark Drinkard has been teaching that over in, in the other room right now. Uh, if you've never studied the writings, or it's really that last part of the Old Testament that a lot of people tend to skip over, that could be a great class to consider. Uh, technically, it's a two-parter, but you can always listen to the sessions that you miss online and catch up. And um, that's going to continue next block as well at 1030. And then the last one is a class called Lessons from the Cross. So this is taught by Matt Jones, and it's uh, kind of giving a summary overview of Arthur Pink's The Seven Sayings of the Savior on the Cross. Uh, basically, it's thinking about as we're getting ready for Easter, right, which is coming up at the very end of March, thinking about what is it that Christ said while he was actually hanging on there, and what are the various lessons that we're able to learn from our Savior even when he was getting ready to die. Uh, you can think about it as being a little bit more sober, but very profound lessons to learn from as well. Uh, so that's going to be offered in the same room at the same time. So 1030, it's going to be here in room 200. So I would just encourage us as always, as we're thinking about growing in wisdom and knowledge, right? This is a lifelong pursuit. Uh, Equip is just one of many ways to consider doing that. And so we'd love to encourage you as always, if you're going to main service during one of the hours, uh, to go to Equip during one of the other ones as well. So uh, every single one of us should hopefully, oh, I think it is going to be very good. So please consider joining one of them. And lastly, uh, we'll finish up with our announcements, which I think it's basically the same thing. Okay, so a couple, we already mentioned the equipped classes. I've mentioned before, if you have a high school student here, uh, the uh, Ignite Conference is coming up on February 23rd. And the last one is we have another round of Newcomer Night. So if you're uh, somewhat newer to the church, that could even be in the last year or so, and you haven't been to one of these evenings, we'd love to see you there. Just a great chance to be able to meet some of our leaders, uh, enjoy Chipotle catering. There's a lot of guac, so you can enjoy a lot of that, and uh, have any questions you have about the church answered. I, I know, uh, looking around the room, I've seen a lot of you guys there, and, and every person I talked to said they love Newcomer Night. If you haven't been to it yet, we'd love to see you there, and uh, you can sign for it uh, literally by clicking on that picture. So it should take you straight there. Okay, well, uh, guys, it's been great. Uh, if there's any other questions, I'm going to stay here. And so feel free to come up. We can talk about it, uh, you know, one-on-one. -on -one. But let me just close this with one more word of prayer, and then we'll be all done. Well, gracious Father, we come before you now this morning, I'm grateful, worshipful, uh, challenged, encouraged, just in the many ways that you speak truth to us. 
Father, I think about the men and women who are in this room, and every one of us are living through unique challenges, questions, uh, difficulties, and trials, and yet in every single one of our circumstances, you speak truth to us. You give us guidance that helps us to navigate every single situation we're in. Whether we think we can handle it or not in our own strength, God, you give us all that we need through the wisdom of your word. And so I just pray for every single brother and sister in Christ in this room, that you would help us to walk away living in the fear and the knowledge of you, that our, our walks with Christ would be the most important aspect of our life, um, that we would be seeking to know and savor and, and serve you more and more every single day. And as we listen to your word, may you help us to know how to live it out in wisdom in every single circumstance we face. May you help us to remember that we're never in this Christian life on our own. That you've given us your revelation first and foremost, and you've given us your church, the brothers and sisters that we have here to be able to exhort one another and counsel one another and sharpen each other. So as we go from here, help us to live a more faithful Christian life because of these six weeks that we spent here. And so we thank you for this time, and we pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.